Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 136 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, please email questions at OneOuter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group, etc. Alex, how are you on this Thursday afternoon? I know you're still splashing around in Vegas. Um, I've not been on Facebook that much, but I saw when I was on, there was various pictures of chips and tournament tickets, etc. by yourself. So what's been happening the last week? Yeah, I don't take too many pictures of when they go to another player. But yeah, I've been, I, I've been playing a lot of poker. Uh, oh, the last week or two... And by the way, it's good to be here, guys, as always. I'm really happy to be speaking with you. And Barry, it's always good to be speaking with you. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it's, been, uh, it's been a poker tur- tournament series, which is to say you come out here all fired up thinking I can't wait to go deep in one of these and be behind a huge stack of chips. And then I've been having a hard time explaining this to people, but poker tournaments are very difficult. <laughs> they're uh, they're uh, they're tough. They're uh, well, it, especially it's when really, you're playing one at a time. <laughs> yeah, exactly, one at a time. And uh, I made a final table. I played a couple ACR sessions. I made a final table the 15k guarantee. That was pretty cool. Uh, I finished fourth in that. That was good for a little money. I don't think I'm up on the summer, like after expenses and everything, but the losses are negligible, which is, unfortunately, my investors haven't made a ton, which always bums me out because I always want to make them money, but there's not really anything I can do about that. Some of this stuff is just ridiculous, though. It's like yesterday I'm playing the MSPT, and this is reminding me of the old circuit episodes where... I remember in like 2004 during. Do you remember that show, The Circuit? No, I don't. On but card player. I remember wanting to get. I think we spoke about this before. I spoke to Kev Mask trying to get the previous episodes, and he said he had them somewhere on his computer. But I've never chased it up um, again. But that was when the uh, Haralbos Bulgaris was a host and, or co-host on it. Nope, wasn't it? nope. That was uh, Big Poker Sundays on Poker Road. That oh, was. Right. Uh, that was Scott Huff and Mike Matisau to begin with, and Mike Matisau had a. Very adorable trait of screaming right into the microphone, which, uh, uh, you know, as a metal fan, I thought I would like, but it turns out I wasn't too fond of, like, mm. late at night when, because remember, at this point, I'm sleeping in somebody's garage, and this nice, like, Filipino family put me up, and, you know, I'm turning on my little poker podcast late at night, 
And these people were super sweet. Like, God bless them. They gave me a place to sleep, right? And, like, you know, Mike Madison would just start screaming. And, like, my, you know, my landlord, I guess my landlord, you know, my friend's dad would hear it. And I'd be like, oh, crap, you know, because he was like a – this was a guy who entered the Army when he was 16 years old in the Philippines because he wanted to be American. This guy was a bit of a hard ass. Right. And then he's listening to Mike Mattisau scream about how he couldn't get, you know, I couldn't flop a set. I couldn't believe this ass, you know, really worried. Right. And then. uh, But, yeah, it was a cool little show. But I, I feel like whenever I start complaining about luck, I feel like I always laugh at that show because that was like 2004 when money grew on trees and you would just hear these pros come in and like. It had been a whopping eight tournaments since they cashed, and they'd just be whining and carrying on about how they never got cards. And I, I, I find that so quaint and adorable these days because, like, I, I was playing the MSPT. Uh, the hell does that stand for, Barry? Is that mid-stakes poker tour? Ah, uh, God knows. God knows. Middle, middle. I, in my mind, it's always like middle America or something like that. Forgive me, guys, for being so not knowledgeable about things, but... uh. Yeah, uh, I, uh, you know, I mean, like, to give you an example of how Vegas is, like, okay, blinds are 75, 150, under the gun, I have aces, uh, I raised to 450, comes around to, uh, I want to say a British or, or Australian dude, I, I didn't bring my, I didn't bring my, uh, accent chart, Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, to be honest, he said about seven words, so I uh, wasn't very good at differentiating which one he was. He goes four fifty. He makes sure he gets the race size right, and he goes, "Yeah." Uh, the dealer goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Okay, I call." So uh, the board comes. Oh, the board comes like queen two four, uh, two spades. I see bet for value. Oh no, like king two four. I see bet for value with my over uh, my over uh, my over pair of aces. He calls, turns like a blank five. I bet again, he calls. No, it's a blank six, seven, eight, blank, anyway. Uh, I, I remember his hand. I remember he didn't have a, a additional draw on the turn, so I can't remember what the blank was. Uh, I bet he calls. River comes with the tennis spades. I bet for value if he raises... A lot of the times he has a flush, and I, I, I can talk to him a bit, and I, I figure I can figure it out. Uh, if he has a flush, I figure I can figure it out. Greatest sentence I've ever uttered. But yeah, uh, I bet, and he calls looking like groaning and shaking his head. So I table my overpair like it's the effing nuts. And then he goes, oh, thank God, and tables nine three of spades. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Okie doke. <laughs> like, like, uh, you know, and that's it. That's kind of like, uh, you know, I mean, this is Vegas, though. People come here to gamble, and this is what we love. We love that they come here to gamble. But the thing is, I've been trying to explain this uh, to my girlfriend. Be, because I imagine to my girlfriend, okay, she, uh, okay, so she takes a shot on dating a professional poker player, which is always a bit worrying, I imagine. If you're, if you're from that strata of society, you, you have a... You have a good education. You have good friends. You have always done really well in life. To welcome a professional poker player in your life, I imagine, must be a little difficult, right? 
And then it's very difficult to explain to normal people and her friends that I, I go to work and I lose 99% of the time, right? Yeah. Not 90% of the time, but whatever it is, 85% of the time. Because if you can imagine, if, any, if anybody just doesn't want to play poker with me, they can just move all in and then I have to decide what to do for all my chips. And if I have kings and they were just stone cold bluffing with ace-deuce offsuit, mm-hmm. uh, or let's, even, let's make this even crazier. Let's say they have eight of diamonds, two of diamonds, and I have two black kings, right? Like, imagine these two hands being tabled. That person still has a 17% shot or whatever it is. Yeah. If you imagine five Dixie cups in front of you and under... I'm, I'm sorry, guys, my voice is kind of going... <clears throat> if you imagine five Dixie cups in front of you and there's a bouncy ball under one and, like, you know, you close your eyes and somebody ha- ha- hides the ball and you pick the right cup on accident, you're not going to be like, oh, my God, yeah. how amazing. Right? <laughs> like, like uh, the equities run very close in Potlam and Omaha, but they run very, very close in Nolan and Hold'em as well. So it's, you know, you come out here, and I'm sorry, if you don't do this for the love of it, you shouldn't do it. And, uh, it's quite never fun. that much of a bad beat. That's, that's the thing that really, the penny drop for right. me, like when people talk about it, when you do other things in life and they're like, oh, how could that happen? And you're like, what, 5%? Well, you know, it's 1 in 20. It's not that bad. It's not like exactly. ridiculous odds. Do you know what I mean? If someone told you there was like a 1 in 20 chance of you, you know, in a car crash or whatever, you, you wouldn't get in a car probably. You know what I mean? You wouldn't. Oh, <laughs> good, very, very good point. And it's like you know you play it, and it's like ah, oh, you know, like two outs on the river, you know, five percent. You're like, yeah, but it's still it's going to happen. You know, <laughs> it's it was actually like me. I was I was playing a bit recently as well online. It was like aces, you know, a couple of times, and my over pairs were holding up, and then I had aces against eights in the flop kit, like all in pre comes jack, and then runner runner like for the straight comes nine ten. And I was like, oh, you know, like, and I was like, you know what, it's probably, I've, I was waiting on it, like, not being negative, but just pure mathematical expectancy. My overpairs had held for too long that day. Do you know what I mean? So, like, if you're going to do it that many times, you've, you've just, it's inevitable, isn't it? The losses are inevitable in those situations. Mm-hmm. And I suppose it depends on, I think it depends where it is in the tournament, how hard you take it. You know, it's always like, you know, if you're deeper, it, it tends to, Sting a bit, but the cards don't know where you are in a tournament. You know what I mean? It's just like whatever. It. Uh, well, I I have two separate thoughts. One is if you get the the best situation you can get in no limit oldham is pair over pair typically. Mm-hmm. So it's like kings versus two with the suits covered, and that's eighty twenty. A hair better than that. If you multiply point eight times point eight, it's point six four. I wouldn't be surprised if I had a 64% shot and it didn't come through. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you got to survive eight of those during a tournament, which, by the way, you're not good enough to just get pair over pair every single time in the main event. Like, 0.8 to the six power is quite a low number. I don't know what it is, but it's very low, right? So, generally, one of these is not going to work out, which is why if you turn on the weather forecast and they uh, this is a Jared Tendler reference but you know if you turn on the weather forecast and they said it's going to rain and then you went outside and it's raining you wouldn't like kick your tires and like get angry it would just be part of life yet when people are at the poker table I guess there's a little bit more 
analog stimuli. There's people like scooping your chips. Mm-hmm. The weight of the chips in your hand has lost a dimension. It, 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 it's it's very difficult to do, differentiate. But it, the very strange thing, Barry, I really struggled expressing this to a person is I, I don't care anymore. I don't. I've gotten to the point where it's really been beaten out of me, which is. There, there's two different options when you play poker for a long time. One, I'm not going to say names, but you get into a debt you're never going to get out of. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you, you get into makeup totals or whatever. I've had all my makeup deals have gone well. I've paid off. I had one backer who just said, you know what, I don't have the money for this anymore. Don't worry about the makeup. I, I think we're, we're still really good friends. We hang out all the time. And uh, I, I just love the kid to death. And, like, he, he's just such a great guy. You know, it, eventually when I make some money, I'm going to throw something. He's involved in some charities. I, I think I'll throw some money his way in the name of the makeup or something like that. And that'll be that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, I don't owe money to really anyone. You know, once in a while I borrow, you know, when I'm at a poker tournament and they, you don't have cash on you, you borrow something like, like a thousand or I'm not going to say names. There's guys in poker I know, like, I've heard their makeup totals. It's like, oh, 2.4 mil. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I don't think you're getting out of that. Even if, yeah. even if it's 400,000, like, my God, <laughs> you know what? You either, you either get good or you get broke, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't gotten broke, so I guess by process of elimination, at some point I got good. Uh, but th- th- that means you need to wait it out. I like to diversify, spread the investments over a ton of investors. Uh, the last year that went really well. This year, the Montreal trip hasn't gone well. The first WSOP trip didn't go well. Such is life. You know, Apple cannot... I'm not saying I'm Apple when it comes to the poker world. I have much more to learn than they dominate their industry with. But, uh, you know, Apple doesn't post record earnings every, qu- every quarter. Such is life. And... Uh, one second, guys. Okay. I didn't want to cough into the microphone. Excuse me. Uh, it's... And I, I, I've been... Uh, I'm listening to these poker players go, I'm just going to win a tournament, man. F this stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, right? And other people going, oh, man, they, I, I, I don't... I don't get it. <laughs> like, I just... Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big... I, I love books. I read a lot of history books, and I, I realize, Barry, we, we've won the lottery to be born at this era. Like, in the last year, there was more books published than... I, I read this, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's true. And if it's not true, it's got to be close to true. By the way, everything you read, most of it's not true, right? It's one of those things... People exaggerate about everything. Have you ever realized that, Barry? Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible because what I used to tell stories and like just for comedic effect, I, I would kind of streamline things and I would change the quotes from my friends to make them funnier. And uh, I always felt very guilty about that. But I was just trying to make a better story for my friends. I love storytelling. I love making people laugh. And I always felt guilty about that. But if you met my friends, they would more or less be the person I presented in that fictitious tale. Uh, maybe not quite as eloquent, but it, very much, in essence, the same person. Hmm. But, uh, like, the Huffington Post and, like, the Washington... 
Fox News. Like, not, these people just don't care. They just make up things. And uh, I always felt so guilty about that. But yeah, anyway, sorry, a, a little bit off to- topic. But uh, anyway, whenever you hear a statistic, always cut it in half and ask if that would still be impactful for, for your life. And one thing I heard was uh, there were more books published in 2016. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I, I'm getting a little bit of a bug because when you're in the casinos and you deal with that air conditioning all day. And in the Venetian, they pump perfume into the air is what I've heard. Uh, that, might, that might do something to you because, you know, Sheldon Adelson can't, you know, he's got to kill you one way or another. But uh, he... Uh, If as many books were as published last year as the rest of time combined, think of how fast we're going. And even if it was half that, that means you have half of history in one year. And you read these self-published books, these books that would have never been published through a traditional backing house, uh, excuse me, publishing house, they, a lot of them are really good and they're they're very conversational, and it's like a really good friend telling you advice. And I was thinking, I would have never read this. And some of these books, the guy only has 101 pages to say. that This would have never been published. Other than, I, I think Ernest Hemingway used to publish books like that. But other than that, like The Old Man in the Sea, I'm, I'm not sure who else did that. And uh, it, it's usually a little too expensive for a traditional publisher to put out a book that short. But with the Kindle, you can just get anything. With the, uh, Spotify, you can listen to any album you want. With Uber, you can go anywhere within a city. I'm going to see my girlfriend in a few days, and the tickets were like $290 to go across the country and back. Like, are you serious? Like, this is the greatest time in the world to be there. There's no war. There's no, you know, got, you know, not touch wood. Where, where's, I, I say touch wood now, Barry, because of you. I don't say <laughs> knock on wood and everybody goes, yeah, what? Touch wood. <laughs> yeah, touch wood. I found some wood. There you go. Yeah, uh, but uh, God, God willing, we'll, we'll stay safe. But you, you think about what our parents had to go through, especially, I imagine you in the United Kingdom, uh, a lot of different worries during the Cold War and World War II and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I even imagine now that it, it has to be very difficult given what's going on in the Middle East and the unrest in that area in the world and its proximity to your country. And we're in America. America has many, many, many flaws. And I realize when I say this is the greatest country in the world. It's because I was born in this country, so I'm very biased. But uh, it, it, you're safe in the United States most of the time. And it, it's I go to a Starbucks here, and I, I just love this country. There's, you know, there's black folks, white folks, Asian folks, Latinos, and they're all reading books, and they're all sharing notes, and they... They kind of instinctively know when to leave each other alone, but also when to strike up conversations. And mm-hmm. it, it's just, it, this is a beautiful time to be alive. And if you can play a game of chance on the side and possibly make some money from it, what, how are you going to complain about that? I, 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 I don't really understand that. And uh, yet in Vegas, there's quite a few guys that... <laughs> Whenever I hear somebody complaining about a tournament, the only sentence I hear in my head is, oh my God, I cannot believe this is the day I didn't win a million dollars, right? Like, it's, uh, 
I don't think that happens every day, my friend. I, I, I would I would wager a guess that doesn't even happen once in most people's lives. Mm-hmm. So why are you expecting two-day of all day to happen? If you divide one by 365, that's your percentage for the year, and then you multiply it by 20, 30, 40 years, what, whatever you're playing, however long your playing career is, this is an infinitesimal number. It's not going to happen that often. So why are you so perturbed by the fact that the cards went against you so it's a uh, you know it, it bums me out i think i'm gonna hang out i got this cute little airbnb uh it has some amazing features like the dryer doesn't work uh the air conditioning won't go below 78 degrees uh I, i'm sure that means nothing to you barry but <laughs> it's uh, uh it, 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 the airbnb is a little little wanky but it's got a desk it's got working internet you and i are talking everybody leaves me alone i'm free what do i have to complain about i have nothing to complain about so i'm just going to keep focusing on that even when the tournaments aren't i'm just going to keep studying that's the only thing i can control control what you can control so you know every time i uh, sorry i'm trying to stop saying you know but uh (laughs) every time i go to work at <clears throat> Every time I teach, I, I do really try to listen to what my students have to say because these are very creative professionals from all over the world, varying uh, degrees from different fields, varying uh, ideas with poker. And I, I really, I, of course, my job is to teach and make sure they go out there and they feel very confident at the poker table, but I also try to listen as much as possible. And that it's really cool just to, you know, I spent $300 on an Airbnb and uh, I got the place for six days. That's amazing in Las Vegas. When I first came out to this city, there was no Uber. We had to call taxis for everything and sometimes they'd get lost so we'd show up late for the tournaments. There was no Airbnb so we had to stay at these terrible, uh, we had to stay at these terrible casinos sometimes. This is before I found out about the Gold Coast. The Gold Coast is the best, by the way, guys. Everybody's super sweet there, and the rates are super cheap. But I, you, you would just be... Even, even as little as eight, nine years ago, you didn't have a quarter of the options I have now. You can sell pieces of yourself. You have all of these tools at your disposal. Sometimes it gets very overwhelming because... When I was a kid, there wasn't any internet. You, if you wanted to find a book at the library, you still had to use that weird card system that they had in the filing cabinets. But uh, so it gets a little. To, it gets to be sensor. How would you say this? It gets to be a bit of sensory overload at times. But mm-hmm. it, it's wonderful just to be able to be given the opportunity. Do you ever feel like you're living in the future, Barry? Does that does that ever? Does that ever strike you at any time? Yeah, well, when you when you stop and actually observe what's around you and what you've got, you know, at your fingertips, sort of thing, then definitely. Yeah, and it's uh, why would I complain? Sorry, that was my glass of water. I <laughs> I have a glass uh, desk here. Normally, I'm used to this this really big wood desk that my uncle has at the place uh, Carlos and I are running in Bullhead City, and. 
Yeah, you can place down a glass on that, and it'll make no noise. But this glass desk is very noisy. Sorry about that. Well, that's the other thing is the quality of people around me are super... Just everybody around me is such a winner and such a cool person. It's really hard to stay down. Uh, Carlos... Carlos will never talk about this. He's dropped a ton of weight, and he's... I listen to him teach classes, and I'm thinking, this guy's getting better than I am at this sometimes. You know, he always... He undersells, over delivers, which is, I think, what you should do. Uh, he, but, like, I, I was listening to him coach the other day. I was like, this guy's got some great points. And I, I was just sitting there like, I need to take notes. This guy's so good. And then uh, my girlfriend's just so on point with everything. And uh, she, the way she takes care of her health, the way she takes care of everything in her life is just so inspiring. And just being... Well, even like you and I, Barry, we can t- we talk on the phone after these, a- after these uh, podcasts, and you, I have many quotes. Maybe, maybe it's that Scottish brogue of yours or something, but there's many things you've said to me that have really stuck with me. I used to always feel guilty about spending money just just because gr- growing up we didn't have a ton of it. So when you did have some of it, you kind of ho- you didn't kind of hoard it. You you, you hoarded it. You, uh, you you didn't want to spend it. And then you told me, you know, a- a- Alex, you work really hard to make money so you can solve problems. And that's that's changed. I hear that voice in my head all the time because there's a lot of times I have to spend a little more money than I'd like. But then I appreciate it because oh, life is okay now. It's a it, it's it's going all right. When little problems come up, you you can. Thank God it's not that expensive. You can do a little something to take care of it. And that's that's really nice. And you told me that's what money's for. That's uh, Money's there to just make life a little more smoother. It's not to ball out with. It's not to make you feel good about yourself. It's, it's, uh, it's there to make things easier for the people you care about and yourself. And just being surrounded by all these, quite frankly, much smarter people than I am. Uh, mm-hmm. I heard a quote, if you're the dumbest guy in the room, I think this might have been Gary Vee, I can't remember, forgive me whoever said this, if you're the dumbest guy in the, the room, that's a, that's a great place to be, <laughs> and uh, consistently with my friends, they're, they're, just, uh, they're, they're, they're just so bright, it's really nice to be around them, even, uh, I was just rooming with uh, Mike, uh, I, I want to say Snyderman. It's Snydman, I think is how he pronounces his last name. He's just Mike in my head, right? It's kind of funny because I've been going to the Flamingo for the last week pretending I was him, and he's like, uh, he's a seven-foot-tall <laughs> white guy who's 46, and uh, I'm not nearly as tall as he is, but I'm like, yeah, I'm Mike. You know, let me into the weight room, right? And uh, But I can't remember his exact name, but... He, even he, he would uh, he downplays himself a lot, but just getting to hear somebody in their 30s or 40s or 50s, it, there's so many things you guys have experienced that I haven't experienced, and I, I I'm very blessed just to be able to take notes and listen and work hard. So yeah, Vegas has been trying, but I mean, God, what what else would I be doing with my life but writing and playing cards? This is fine. Well. <laughs> What 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 are you gonna do, right, Barry? Like life is good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. life is good. 
I guess we should get into some questions. So yeah, uh, let's get let's get into the questions. Um, okay, this one is two questions. It's from Thomas, and it's two weeks since I've I promised we'd do them this time. So I have two questions. Uh, one is about how much to bet, and the other is about river play. Bet size in question is what percentage of the pot should I be looking at betting on the flop, turn, and river as a general rule? I think my betting can be a bit of a giveaway sometimes. So answer that one, and then we'll do the second one. I'll read out the second one. Forgive my hesitation, but uh, Barry, I think we we need a sound drop whenever somebody does a how do you play poker question. <laughs> because this is, uh, well, it, to me, when you say, what debt sizes am I supposed to use for the bet, turn, I mean, for the flop turning river, I understand when I started playing poker, that's a question I would have asked. But in my position of 30,000 hours of practice, that's a little like saying, how do you play the piano, Elton John? How do you do that, right? Not not that I reached a position Elton John is in his industry, but could you imagine him answering that question? He could say, well, there's varying keys you could press, but it changes based on the piece. What do you mean, sir? Uh, generally, I find a really good uh, way to start is to know what each bet means, and this is why Carlos and I always repeat it's called No Limit Hold'em for a reason. You're allowed to bet anything you want. So if you bet 1.5x the pot, that that looks like a very generously sized bet, but it only needs to work 60% of the time, which inversely means the other person needs to defend with 4 out of 10 of their hands, otherwise their their bet's just not profitable. Uh, excuse me, they're, uh, they're just losing money. Uh, so once you know what each bet needs to do, and the joke I always used to make in my personal lessons is, did you think the Bellagio built those fountains not knowing what every bet on their property needs to do? Once you know what each bet needs to do, I find that really opens up things. And I, I think this is why you see Victor Blom, Faraz Jaka, other very talented players that I really respect, very much using one-eighth size bets and then ten-eighth size bets. Uh, scaling things differently. Once you know what each bet needs to work, I find that's a really good uh, differentiation. The, sec the second thing you need to think of is what your opponent's range is and what you want that range to do. So every time you bet, there's three different categories your bet can go into. That's either a uh, value bet, a bluff bet, or a cash out bet. And I stole that from Matthew Jonda, who I think stole it from one of his students, if I remember the training video correctly. But uh, a value bet, is I'm getting value from these hands. A bluff bet is I don't have a good hand, but these hands are folding. A cash out bet is it's kind of in the middle, which is I might have the best hand now, but these hands have a ton of equity, and I'd really like it if they folded. So a great example of that is the board comes ace-deuce-deuce, you have 3-3, three, three, the big blind checks you after you raise pre-flop. You see bet there partially because you could get profit from king-jack, king-queen, but really you would like queen-jack, jack-ten, ten-nine to fold because they don't realize they have a pretty significant equity portion uh, share in this pot, and if they fold that out, we're, you, we are very fine with cashing out that pot. Uh, so you, you differentiate what you're trying to do with your bet, and then you try to think of your opponent's range. 
I recently just released the first video. There's six videos out now in the Master of the Flop series. By the way, if anybody is listening to this and they bought into Master of the Flop series, you have not received the videos. First of all, I would like to smash my head on this desk until blood shoots out my nose because I have tried everything to get you guys emails. There's six videos out. Unfortunately, it seems Google has done this cute little thing now where I can't BCC you, blind carbon copy. By the way, Dennis Peterson knew what that meant, and I didn't know that. How, how does a guy who conducts truck drivers know that, and I don't know that? But yeah, anyhow, uh, so I, I got this whole new mail server with MailChimp, and I'm sending it out to you, but I'm seeing on the statistics there that only three out of four of you are opening those emails. So if you're hearing my voice right now, you bought Master the Flop, and you haven't gotten the first six videos, please email me at alex at com. I want to get you your videos. Anywho, one of the first flops that we discussed was Ace High and Dry. I find that's a really good starting flop because it, it, it's a very simple flop. So Ace High and Dry is like the board comes Ace 2-4 rainbow. Uh, if, and if you think about this, uh, okay, Barry, let, let's test you. Are you ready, Barry? Yeah. Okay, so you can tell Barry's just thrilled by this. <laughs> Barry's about to get made fun of everybody. Uh, so uh, it gets folded to you on the button, Barry, and you have Jack of Diamonds, Nine of Diamonds, Big Blinds, kind of a... He's a typical guy in any card room these days, but we'll say this is in Scotland, uh, and I'm going to assume he calls a little too much from the Big Blind. Would that be right with your player base? Um, yeah, I would say so, as a general rule. Okay, so you guys are 50 big blinds deep. What's your raise size on the button, Barry? Uh, I've got 50 big blinds and on the button. Yes, um, I Probably 2.5x. Well, that's a, that's a good bet. You can also make it up to like 3x, whatever you think the big blind's going to call you, because the bigger the pots they play out of position, typically the more money you're going to make until you force them to make the right move. So a good example of that would be Let's say the person has 24 big blinds. Perhaps you don't want to raise to 3x because now they say, ooh, a rejam here might be mighty tasty. Well, now you've just allowed them to play better. But with 50 big blinds, you can increase your bat size. So, well done, Barry. You're wrong. Uh, so you make it 3x because, you know, Assassinato is sitting behind you whispering sweet nothings into your ear about how to make more profit. Uh, you raise it to 3x. The big blind calls you. The board comes. Ace of diamonds, two of spades, four of hearts. You have jack nine of diamonds. He checks to you. There's 6.5 big blinds in the pot. No, let's say seven big blinds in the pot with all the annies and everything. How much do you see that? Um, what's in the pot? Seven big blinds. Seven big blinds. Uh, I don't. I probably bet about half the pot. And that, that tends to be most people's typical bet. However, are you betting as a value bet or a bluff bet, Barry? What was the flop? Ace, two, four, rainbow, one diamond. Yeah, I'm, I'm betting as a, a bluff. Okay, as a bluff. So what are you trying to get to fold out? Um, any shit he's called me with apart from an ace. It's uh, Barry, I always love how you just drop random cuss words when I try to clean up this show, but well done. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay. okay so any, any garbage hand besides an ace? Uh, okay, so anything besides an ace. 
So what, what would those hands look like? Describe a few of those hands to me, Barry. That he's called the big blind with. Yes. Uh, I don't know, like suited kings or maybe another suited jack or jack ten or um, I don't know, like hands like that. Um, I think he'd call with like a with any pair there. So yeah, maybe, maybe suited connector like seven eight or something like that. Six seven. Do those hands have any draw? No. Do those hands have any overcards? No. Is a half pot bet necessary then? No. So how much should you bet? Less than half pot. There you go. <laughs> so this is, this is the basics of bet sizing theory. So you can go to 33, 40%, whatever you need. Barry, if you bet one third the pot, often does your bet need to work? Uh, <laughs> sorry. I don't know. Um, is uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I put the man on the spot. Well, a good, a good, uh, a good trick is if you bet one third the pot, just change the denominator is the second word over the fraction. One third. Is that is it like thirty three percent of the time or something? Or no, 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 no. Essentially, if it's one third, you just change the second number to one plus one, so it would be one fourth. So if you bet one third the pot, it needs to work twenty five percent of the time. Yeah. So you're betting one third the pot. What you're really doing is you're betting one unit to win three units, but four units are going to come back to you when you're right. So it's actually one over four is how often the bet needs to work. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is, is so, so the bet needs to work 25% of the time, and by the way, if you want to get really deep into this, I suggest you get a copy of Flopzilla, uh, my favorite poker software in the world. Everybody keeps trying to get me into all this game theory optimal crap, but I'm, I'm just, guys, I don't play 510. I, I play with guys who are raised calling with King 3 suited under the gun it's a little different. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not, I, I don't think they're playing Game Theory Optimal. It's just my guess. But uh, anywho, you could put in a calling range from the big blind, and then you could put that flop, and then you could see the percentage of the time they hit everything. And you're, you're going to see that this gentleman does not have a pair, doesn't have anything 50-plus percent of the time. So your bet that needs to work 25% of the time is most likely going to clear a profit unless this person check raises. I digress. I could get into this for hours, but if he check raises this on this, it, this is what I love about. Do you ever feel that way, Barry, when you p discuss poker? Like it's just a rabbit hole that never ends. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. I, I think a lot of people get very intimidated by that, but you got to really love it even when you don't like it because that's what makes that that's what that that's what makes poker so interesting and uh but yeah this is where the the origins of bat sizing theory come from which is know what your bets need to accomplish know i mean know statistically what they need to accomplish know what you're trying to accomplish with the opponent's range and then execute and if you want to get more advanced once you move up in stakes uh you, you should do all of this with like $10, $20, $30 tournaments online until you feel very comfortable with it. And then you should start planning out turns and rivers. And if he check raises you on that pot, what do you do? So, Barry, I want you to pretend you bet 2.9x into 7.1x or whatever it is after the Annies. Homeboy here 
excuse me, your mate, your mate here, Shaq raised mm-hmm. this to 9.1x. What does he have? Um, he could have, he could have an ace, or he could also just have nothing. That whole, uh, I've seen that happen so many times. Uh, that especially in Britain, like they think you're just raising their big blind and whatever, and they get into the the sort of leveling stuff in their head and just try and steal it. So they could, I'd say they have nothing or an ace. So what's your move? Well, depends, doesn't it? That, if you ever depends answer if you depends to me again, you're off this show. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I'm sorry, you remind yeah. me of Joe Seabach. Really complex poker question, Joe Seabach. Well, it depends. It's like, well, I... I uh, <laughs> Technically, that's the answer for every question. No, I'm, I'm going to say it's like I'm going to say it's like Ivy. It depends on you know what the tables get, what he's saying, what he's acting okay, like. Okay, he's... that's a bit of a better answer. But no, uh, what I what I think at the, in that moment, what what I whether I believe him or not. So you're relying on your ability to look at a man's face and know whether he has it or not. No, I'm not just not just you see, just the whole situation, you know, of of life. I just like, gave I, you the whole I, situation. So what do you do? Yeah, no, but I don't know what the guy is, who he is. What <laughs> You're just afraid to There's... say an answer because I'm going to make fun of you. Just pick an answer. No, 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 no. I, I, my answer is that it would, it would, and especially live poker for me. It would depend. It would depend on the way I've, you know, if I know him, if I've played with him before, etc. Oh, okay, oh, okay. I see what you're, I see what you're you saying. Know, okay, with, okay. With, with live my... poker, there's there's some guys I've not even played with like a lot, but I know them from other tournaments okay. and stuff. So I would say he's more likely to. There's some guys I would completely eliminate it from, and there's some guys that I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say I've seen his face play like other outside the town events or whatever. Like I think he's capable of, you know, with nothing there. If it wasn't a guy I'd ever seen or anything like that, and I didn't think, I'd probably just fold my hand. Okay. That's a really good read. Okay, that was a really good explanation. Okay, Do you guys see how we pushed Barry into an answer? We had to, we had to kind of poke him <laughs> before he gave an answer. But, yeah, the way I think of this is I assign. So let's say this is a guy you think is bluffing 55% of the time. You bet 2.9x, and he bet he raises to... Let's just make it three x, and he makes it eight x. Uh, what's your, what's your, what do you do? Me. Yeah, you. What do you do on the button? Well, this is how I teach, by the way, Barry. Barry, but part of the, I've decided with my podcast, I'm going to change things into a bit of a Socratic method, and my new goal is to for free make you a badass no limit hold'em player. So. This is how I teach. It's a Socratic method. Do you notice how your brain is buzzing right now? That's good. Even if you make a wrong decision, you're never going to forget what I tell you. Because that uh, this is, according to research, the way you get people to memorize things is you put them on the spot. And even if they get it wrong, it doesn't matter because your, your brain has buzzed with all the options at this point. Well, let me let me ask a simpler question, Barry. So you bet three x, he makes it eight x. If you make it thirteen x, there, how much have you actually risked? Did you risk thirteen x or a different number? Um, no, is it not just? Well, I've already put the chips exactly. in. Whatever so well that. Done. Well done. So how much have you risked? Um, 
th uh, three, was it? No, th yeah, yeah, three, three to the third game. Yeah, Just 13 minus 3, Barry. There's no track. There's oh, no, sorry. I didn't, I didn't hear you. Oh, it's okay. I said less. I thought you were the way to speak there. That's I, oh, why I'm, I didn't sorry, I'm sorry. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I said so the 3. You You've like, already put the chips in. So, yeah, 10. 10. Yeah, so, you do 10x divided by, you know, whatever's out there. So, that's going to be 8x, 3x, 7x. So, that that's like 18x. So, you, you do 10x divided by uh, 10 divided by 8 uh, uh, blah 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 what's all in the pot but it, essentially what you're going to find out is the three bet doesn't need to work that often so this is this is a really bizarre thing in no limit hold'em is there's a lot of times i three bet the flop going this only needs to work 44 percent of the time and i don't think he has a hand 48 percent of the time that still means more than half the time i'm gonna look like a dumbass when he jams and at the poker table there are people that will not care for you, especially if, say, you tell people a bunch of poker, poker secrets on a podcast. That, <laughs> let's say that. And if they see three bet fold, you're going to get a lot of, you ready for my American impression? <laughs> nice play, bro. Mm -hmm. And uh, no sweat off your back. You just have to let it go. There's nothing you can do. And, yeah, but, okay, there you go. That's a really good example of, like, bet sizing theory and how you should think of it. Now, can I explain to you every single instance? No, I'm going to try to, in Master the Flop, I'm going to take the flops that come up the most often, and I'm going to explain some of my favorite strategies for getting you guys some more chips. That, I think that will be very, very fun. But you've got to know that you've got to, and this is something I want you to know, guys. I can do a lot as a poker coach. I love what I do. I really am really appreciative that you guys let me teach you because it it's tough to make money from no limit hold'em these days as your sole profession. It's a, it's a, it's a very it's always been tough, but it's really tough these days. There's a lot of talented players out there, and I bust my ass to bring you as much as I can. But there's only so many hours in the day, and there's only so much time you can study. You got to apply this stuff on your own. And I, I hope, go through the last 15 minutes of me and Barry, this, uh, Barry and I discussing how to do this and try to reverse engineer what we just discussed and try to apply it to every situation and go one situation at a time. If you show up at a poker tournament and you go, I need to play dynamite poker today, that's a pretty tremendous process. If the first time you went to a gym, you decided I'm going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger you're, you're going to have a very difficult time. Whereas Terry Crews, uh, do you know who Terry Crews is? No. Terry? He's, no. Uh, he's, uh, he's a former NFL player who's just ripped. Like, it, he's, he's the greatest guy ever. He's just super goofy, funny. And by the way, he could totally tear your head off if he felt like it. But what he told, I thought this was so admirable People were asking him in a Reddit thread. My girlfriend was telling me about this, and my, 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 uh, my respect for this guy just grew. She said she loved this guy, and of course I was like, oh, no, right? But then I heard about this. I was like, I love this guy too, right? <laughs> he, uh, he was saying, you know, people were like, I don't know how to work out, man. I'm really trying to work out, but I, I kind of get down on myself, and I don't know how to do it. And he was like, man, just suit up and walk into the gym. 
And if you don't feel like doing anything, just walk on out. And I was thinking, isn't that genius? Like, because then once you're there and you're all suited up, well, of course you're going to try a few bicep curls. You're going to try a few things. And then if you just make it fun, it's going to be fun. And then you're going to keep adding things every day. And then you're you're probably not going to look like an Adonis like Terry Crews, but you're going to... You're gonna, uh, by the way, I hope I'm getting his name right. I'm, I'm world-class at getting stupid names. I'm getting to that age, Barry, where I add the to everything, and I keep screwing up everything. <laughs> like, and then, uh, are you playing the poker tournament today as opposed to a poker tournament? But, yeah, anyhow. Uh, yeah, just try to focus on one flop. That's what I did when... Uh, I got into the poker scene, and at uh, 21, it occurred to me, I had made money. I, I went pro when I was 18, and I had lasted till I was 21, but it hit me like a brick wall that I was not good enough to play poker professionally for another couple years. I wasn't that good. And I could have just gotten overwhelmed and tried to play dynamite poker every day with no, ex- no idea as to what to do. Instead, I just focused on one flop a day, and then it, <laughs> I kept doing that for seven, eight years until... Not just one flop a day, but one concept a day. There, there came a point where I, I'm running out of things to learn, and then that that was a very bizarre time because uh, I, I'd go to poker tournaments and I wasn't scared anymore. I knew what was going to come up. Now let's get, now, buddy, you didn't get to ask your question for multiple weeks, so I just, I yeah. did my best to hit it out of the park there with your first question. Let's hear your second question. The second one is, and if Alex didn't want to, like, spank me and give me, like, maths quizzes and stuff, you could have did this one earlier. But, but we hope you got something from that, and I'm sure you did, because I did as well, joking aside. Um, uh, secondly is river play. Sometimes people do strange things in river, like bet really small or check after lots of aggression. Sometimes I can't help myself by checking back for fear of losing value. But when they then check raise, I'm lost and should just have checked as well. I'd really like to know what games you're playing in because this is something that's really difficult for me, Barry, which is I was having a discussion with Dennis Peterson and I was saying I love triple barrel bluffing because nobody calls me. And Carlos is a big fan of triple barrel bluffing. And then Dennis was saying, yeah, that's great for you guys, but in my $10 tournaments, nobody's folding on the yeah. river, so you're just essentially making me commit harikari or seppuku. Like, you're making me commit ritual suicide, and I don't know what to do about it. And in my experience, hold on a second, my, fo- my computer just keeps trying to, oh, it's because it's not plugged in. Sorry, my computer keeps trying to bust out. Uh, but yeah, in my experience, when you bet the river, people do not check raise without a hand. Now, I don't know if that's because they assume I'm – I would – this has nothing to do with me, but if you see a 29-year-old white male at the other side of the table, I would just assume this guy is not folding, whoever he is, right? It, it, it has nothing to do with me. I don't know who you are. I don't know what games you're playing. Generally, but I'm going to say this. I'm pretty confident anyone on earth, nine times out of ten when they check-raise you on the river, they have it. It is a supremely, it is a very good savant-like play on the river to, like, if the river is 10, king, 4, 7, 3, you'll see cash game guys have a 7 there in check, 
And then the guy bets, and they go, okay, I, I'm ripping it because I think they're going really thin with their value bet, and I block a set of sevens. I almost never see that in tournaments. And if I do, I almost want to pat the guy on the back because I'm so proud of him because I see it so seldom if they do fold to me, right? I mean, if I do fold to them. Generally, Brian Townsend said one time, this was 2008, I was, I, I was trying to get really into poker. I was trying to get better at poker because I realized I wasn't that good even if I'd survived a few years as a poker player. Brian Townsend said, when I check back the best hand on the river, I want to punch myself. I hate myself so much. I, I go into fits. And I was thinking, God, this guy just expects so much of himself, and I'm, expect, I'm accepting mediocrity. When I check back the best hand and I show it down, I feel like a little pulse of pleasure. And I was thinking, I should be ashamed of myself because... I'm just a showdown guy. I, I don't... And if you think about it, professional poker players... Excuse me. Professional poker players, there's a lovely book called Stumbling Onto Happiness. If you ever hear the audiobook version, it's the smarmiest, lamest thing I've ever heard. Everything you've ever heard about liberal professors is true of this guy. He makes the most atrociously bad jokes, and he sounds so pleased with himself when he says them. You want to just... It makes blood shoot out your nose, right? So don't get the audible version, but the book is really good. And something he just, and unfortunately, the guy is just wildly intelligent, so you do have to pay attention to this book. But it's, it, it, it essentially discusses how your physiology, uh, your biological makeup actually composes the, the happiness that occurs in your day. And something he discussed is uh, when you walk into a casino, people who have a normal brain structure uh, standard dopamine receptors and injections in their mind, they have a very difficult time of estimating the odds because it feels so good when they win and it feels doubly bad when they lose, but they're, they're trying to get back how it feels. Professional gamblers, in his opinion, are all clinically depressed because they don't really feel anything when they win, but they really know it's bad when they lose, so they really... They, they really just want to avoid that losing feeling, so they estimate the odds much more accurately. Now, what this means is, uh, when you're estimating the odds a, a little bit more accurately, that there's... You, there's a cup. Hold on a second. There was a couple places I was going to take this, and now I have zero of them, <laughs> which is uh, essentially when you're, when you're taking it that way, you're, uh, you're feeling much worse when you get check raised. Uh, when you get check raised there, it feels much worse than when you get the value bet in. That kind of feels normal. You have to fight against that. You, you have to fight against that. You have to bet out there. And when he check raises, it's going to feel very bad, most likely because you're composed in a way that would make a good professional poker player. Uh, if you're really into the study of this game, I assume you, you feel you have the makeup necessary to play this way. You just got to go out and viciously go for the win. And when you lose chips, remember the cool thing about tournament poker is it trains you how to think like a poker player because these are this is still monopoly money at the end of the day this is uh, this especially if you're playing with money that you can afford to lose 
it's monopoly money at the end of the day. So I would say on the river, nine times out of ten, they're not going to check-raise you. And when they do check-raise you, nine times out of ten, they have it. So push yourself a little bit. Try to get those value bets in. I am... uh, I have been with... I did two different projects at the same time, Master the Flop and the Talent Coaching Program. By the way, we're about to open up another two spots because we had two guys clear. I don't know if I've told you guys about this, but what we're doing with the talent coaching program is there's a private mailing list that I just send exams and I send hand histories and I send ideas every couple of days. And that, that's coming out. That, that wasn't able to happen for a long time because there was, well, I was doing lessons for 25 students every day but now everybody's really had and even if you graduate out of the talent coaching program I keep you on my private mailing list but I was saying okay Alex you have 25 students let's let's make them bang up great professional poker players and the thing I found that everybody was missing is triple barrels for value it feels good for gamblers and you want to make sure you're not one of these people and this is really hard for us to understand if you're not a gambler. Gamblers feel really good when they table hands. They feel very superior. I was looking at a guy yesterday. There was a guy at my MSPT table, very, very tight, like a super tight player, like literally had an overpair to the board and was like, okay, I'm going to bluff catch. I'm going <laughs> to let you buff off. But you could tell he felt and I had this thought, is there anyone, uh, Barry, tell me what you think of this thought. Is mm-hmm. there anyone more entitled than the nitty player? The nitty player feels as if he should only be able to play seven hands every yeah. three hours. And they hold every time. And yeah. they should hold every time. Isn't that the guy, the most entitled guy in the card room? Mm-hmm. Everybody else is just gambling. I have nothing wrong with the guy who called me with nine three of spades. He's just there to play, right? I have a problem. He's just the guy with the nine three of spades just wants to gamble. And by, by God, this is America. You do whatever you want with your money, sir. I respect it. I, I maybe I don't respect it, but I acknowledge it as your right. The nit drives me nuts. Gives no action. Whines when other people bust them out. Blah, blah, blah. And those people get off on turning over the best hand on the river. And nine times out of ten, the professional poker players at a table are uh, watching. The board comes like queen, jack, four. He C-bets. The guy bet. The guy calls. The turn's another four. The guy checks to him. He bets. The other guy calls. The river's an offsuit seven. The guy checks him. He checks behind. The guy turns over his ace-jack, thinking it might be good. The other guy turns over aces, and he looks like he's getting... I'm not going to say, I I was going to say something kind of sexual that was a little profane, but he looks like he's really getting off to this and that he has the aces. You want to not be that guy. You want to get as much money as possible. And by God, if these people bluff you, they bluff you. Such is life. Life will continue. It will be okay. Because you know what? Nine times out of ten, they're not going to bluff you. It is very difficult in No Limit Hold'em to just run without the ball. Think of that, think of that decision, Queen Jack 4 4 7. What, what's, the, what's the hand the guy could bluff you with? King 10? Like, I, I, there's not that many hands the guy can bluff you with. So why are you checking? Uh, the guy's checking back on the river and he gets to table his aces and he goes, Yeah, 
Yeah, I have those aces. And in my head, I'm like, what are you doing? Every queen calls you. Some jacks calls you. I don't get it. You want to be the guy who's always going for that little extra, that little extra value. And yeah, anyhow, be, be good with that. So I think we spent the entire episode on your two questions. So I hope you were happy about that. <laughs> uh, okay, um, Alex, do you have a lesson to do after this yes, one? Yes, sir, or? I do. Okay, right, let's wrap up there. Because I think there were two questions. We usually try and aim for three, but you did it and you also grilled me on, um, these you know, were really, me on the spot. To be fair, um, so these were, were really depth. good there's questions. There's a lot of content. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of content in this show. Um, okay, Alex, how can people get in touch with you to be mentally challenged on the spot <laughs> for uh, coaching lessons, etc., and um, all your products, Master of Flop webinars, et al.? I would argue you and I are not always mentally challenged on the spot, but always. But yeah, good word choice there, Barry. Uh, if you guys want to write us, <laughs> write, or write me. Write me at alex at pokerheadrush.com. And we do have some spots opening up in the talent coaching program because we've had a few guys graduate out. And that means, essentially, I can do regular lessons with about 25 people. So we had about two people go out of those. If you want the details, uh, go ahead and just write me at alexatpokeradrush.com. I'll write back to you. I'll get. Uh, please understand, I still am a full-time professional poker player. So... It, Typically, I try to aim for three days to get back to you. Sometimes it takes four, but I don't have an assistant right back to you. It's always just me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to get back to you, though. And if you want to, a lot of people are writing me asking, can I still get the pre-sale? Essentially, I do pro two prices for my webinar packages, my coaching packages. At the beginning, if you want to foot the bill for me to do the research, I charge one amount. And then at the end, once everything's done, I do another one. Uh, Master the Flop is still $150. Uh, it's going to be 400 once everything's done. If you buy into that now, you get the first six videos. I think it's like three-plus hours of video. There's going to be several more flops analyzed. I said eight hours. I think it's going to be like 20 hours of footage. Very concrete, fast, good uh, if you want to do that, the the PayPal address is alexfitzgerald88 at gmail.com. And uh, also, you can just write me at alex at pokeradrush.com if you have any questions about any of this. This is my job. I'll get back to you. Don't worry about it. You're not bugging me. A lot of you guys start your emails with, I'm sorry, I'm sure I'm bugging you. But, like, no, you're not. This is what I love to do. And uh, sign up for my newsletter at pokerheadrush.com. Just go there into the top right, enter your name, and uh, yeah, you'll get some, uh, you'll get notifications about the newest articles, videos, exclusive articles, etc. And follow me on Twitter at the Assassin Auto. Okay, and I don't know if you can already hear it, but let me see where the microphone is. My cat is purring. Uh, the <laughs> uh, Can't hear she's it. She's came in and she's really, really purring at it. So it was just in case that was coming over. Uh, um, yeah, she okay. likes those American boys. <laughs> she likes the American boys, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, um, thanks very much for your time today, Alex. And uh, good luck if you're still you're going to be playing more this week. Probably. I think I'm going to play some little ones at Planet Hollywood and just have fun with it. And I'll play a lot on... Uh, uh, 
I'll play, I'll play a lot online. So, yeah, I hope to see you guys at those tables. Okay, well, good luck. And I uh, have some hot wings and fizzy juice for me. Um, until next time, thanks for listening and cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.